the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, the Republican field for president is getting bigger. Ron DeSantis is supposed to get in this week. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott getting in at this very moment. He's on the stage in North Charlton, South Carolina. Here's how he began his speech after giving flowers to his mom and to his grandma. Which also means going back to the beginning of the speech. Ah, somebody <laughs> advanced the teleprompter on go. Tim Scott before he was ready to start. We live in the land of opportunity. We live in the land where it is absolutely possible for a kid raised in poverty in a single-parent household in a small apartment to one day serve in the people's house and maybe even the White House. So that's going to be Tim Scott's message. Humble beginnings, land of opportunity, born into poverty to become a U.S. senator. It is a powerful message because it is an authentic message. He's lived it. He's done it. Many others have done it. Ben Carson has done it. Many, many, many others. Okay? So, Tim Scott, what are his chances? Right now he's not polling very well, but he's not expected to pull well before he's in the race. Now that he's in the race, we'll see. I think he provides a very sharp contrast to Donald Trump, not just an outward appearance, but an inward optimism. Mark Thiessen, Washington Post, talking about what Tim Scott brings to the Republican race for the nomination for president. There's a lot of talk about the great black Republicans that we have. He's like a black Ronald Reagan. Uh, he, he's a fighter. Uh, he's overcome a huge amount. He grew up in abject poverty, raised by a single mother and a grandfather who had to quit school in third grade to pick cotton uh, and made it to, you know, one generation from cotton to the to, to Congress. Uh, but he he's so he's a warrior, but he's a happy warrior. Uh, you know, Reagan took on on communism with a twinkle in his eye. Uh, he, he wants to take on wokeism and all these challenges we face in our country, but do it with a twinkle in his eye. And he's got 20 $2 million in the bank. So he is a, he's got an optimistic, hopeful message, spine of steel, and uh, $22 million. He's a serious contender. Yeah, I think Tim Scott's a serious contender, too. I've said before, if you're Democrats, how do you campaign against Tim Scott? I mean, pretty hard to call him a racist, although I guess it's been done. You know, Joe Biden said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Tim Scott is a very effective counter-argument against the left's narrative now that if you're not born white, you are oppressed and always will be oppressed. Uh, A lot of people fall for that. It's unfortunate that people fall for it. It's more unfortunate that people parrot that kind of lie. 
I noted today a story out there. Here's the headline. NAACP posts Florida travel advisory. Ooh. Warning. Ron DeSantis policies hostile to black Americans. Ron DeSantis policies hostile to black Americans? What policies? Ron DeSantis has passed universal school choice in Florida. And he has outlawed DEI. Diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in the state's school systems. You can't plead all the nonsense that, well, I was born black, so I don't really have a chance. You were white. You're getting all the breaks. Ron DeSantis has outlawed that. Can't teach it. So his policies, according to the NAACP, are hostile to black Americans. I'm sure this will be, I would imagine, quite a bit of news to Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladopo, who is himself black. I'm sure it will be a shocking bit of news to Byron Donalds, congressman from Florida. Uh, if Ron DeSantis' policies are hostile to blacks, why are lots of blacks, as well as lots of whites, moving to the state of Florida? Because, of course, Ron DeSantis' policies are not hostile toward blacks. This is a stupid thing for the NAACP to support, and a stupid thing for them to say. But it's not just in Florida that this goes on. Right here in the state of Ohio, we see evidence of the same kind of mindset that wants to keep people in the inner cities, people in the urban schools, a lot of them are black, they want to keep them enslaved in schools that underperform. What do we tell you the... uh, Graduation rate was Columbus City Schools below the state average. What do we tell you the state reading levels were in terms of being proficient in reading? Was it 26%? What was the math proficiency scores Columbus City Schools? 15%? If you need proof that the people who run Columbus City Schools and Cincinnati City Schools and Cleveland Metro Schools, if you need proof that they all hate you as the parent or guardian of someone who goes to their schools, all you need to do is notice the fact that they are among the 41 urban school districts that have sent a letter to the General Assembly, that's the Ohio State House, opposing the expansion of Ed Choice. Who benefits from Ed Choice scholarships? People of modest means. Right now, Ed Choice is available to any student whose mom and dad, if there is a mom and dad, have an income of less than $70,000. Those are kids in the inner city. The governor has proposed expanding that income standard to $120,000 a year. The Ohio House of Representatives has expanded the governor's expansion to about $130,000 a year, which will encompass quite a lot of the state's school students. But of course, Columbus City Schools, which, let me check. Let me check the budget. Ah, Columbus City Schools 2023 projected revenue. $1.6 billion. That's a lot of money. $1.6 billion. But then I move over to the next line. Columbus City Schools 2023 approved budget. Now, the revenues are $1.6 billion. What do you think the budget is? 
Do you think it's less than $1.6 billion? Or do you think it's more than $1.6 billion? Uh, see, I set you up. You know it's, it's more. Yes, it is. It's $1.94 billion, Which, by my calculations, is $320 million over budget. $320 million above expected revenue. $320 million. So why do you think Columbus City Schools is opposed to the expansion of EdChoice? I'll just read it right from their letter. There is ample empirical evidence to prove that the way to address the poverty achievement gap is by robustly funding public schools to institute best practices. I have a question. Why aren't we instituting best practices now? Why do you have to have more money to institute them? I would think you would want to institute those all the way along. Now, Columbus City School is not the only one joining this case. Here are some of the other schools that are joining it. Notice, if you notice a trend, Akron Public Schools, Canton City Schools, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, Dayton, Toledo, Youngstown. Would those not be the largest cities in Ohio? Yeah, they would be. Would they not be all run by Democratic mayors? Yes, they would be. Every single one, including some city councils like Columbus's that are all Democrats. Mansfield's against expansion of school choice. Marion City Schools are against it. Lorraine's against it. I guess you'd be against it, too, if you were getting, in the case of Columbus City Schools, $1.6 billion and you wanted $330 million more. And even though Ed Choice will not take a dollar away, the expansion of Ed Choice will not take a dollar away. The money will follow the students, but it won't be taken from Columbus City Schools. Maybe they could do a better job if they had fewer students to educate. Here is a bit more from South Carolina Senator Tim Scott's announcement that he is entering the 2024 Republican primary seeking the presidential nomination. I started college on a very small football scholarship at a Christian school, but that's where I learned that Jesus was my life and football just a game. I found, I found my true hope in the words in Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine. And I graduated. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And I so this is going to be interesting because uh, that kind of authentic immersion in faith will speak to evangelical voters. Donald Trump has a huge lead in the Republican presidential primary. And he won the presidency the last time because he had unwavering support from evangelicals. Even in light of the Access Hollywood tape and what he said about how he or what he knew he could get away with with women. Now, 
I'm not suggesting for the moment, for any moment, for any second, that any of the charges against Donald Trump in the recent case in New York where he was stupidly found guilty of disparaging a woman who couldn't even remember the year that Trump supposedly sexually harassed her, nor am I suggesting that Alvin Bragg's witch hunt against Donald Trump for the Stormy Daniels payments, I'm not suggesting that any of that has merit. What I'm suggesting is that I will not be surprised if Trump's support in the polls takes a hit from the entrance into the race of Tim Scott and of Ron DeSantis. We expect DeSantis to get in this week because both men will speak much more authentically about the role of faith in their lives than Trump possibly can. Elections are imperfect choices often. Primaries you get to pick from a wider field of candidates and people who may have more in common with you than a general election candidate does. When you get to the general election, you have to vote for the best of two candidates. In the primary, you might have six, you might have eight, you might have ten, you might have more. You might have twice that many. I don't think we'll have twice that many this time. But I do think it'll be interesting. We assume that because national polls show, oh, Donald Trump's got 50-plus percent of the vote, Ron DeSantis has 19, everybody else is hovering around you know five or less, Trump's going to win it. No, not necessarily. And the reason why is because primaries are a different animal. The primary process is a different animal. The primary process begins with, if you can think of it visually, a big ball at the top of a hill. And somebody's got to nudge that ball to get it rolling. And the person who nudges that ball is the person who wins the first primary. That'll be Iowa. And the ball starts rolling. Now, the ball's momentum can be impeded by a different person winning the next primary. But if the same person wins the next primary, and if that person then gains, like the ball rolling downhill now that it's moving, more momentum, all of a sudden, the picture can change. Eventually, the ball will roll so fast nobody can stop it. That's what happened with Trump in 2016. There were so many candidates in the field. None of them could sustain momentum and win primary after primary after primary. But Trump always hung in there with around 20% of the vote. And eventually he started to win primaries, and eventually he got the momentum, and eventually everybody else was run over by the steamroller that is Donald Trump. Maybe it'll happen again. It might. Wouldn't surprise me. But it also wouldn't surprise me if Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott starts to gain momentum because they do well in Iowa, because they do well in New Hampshire, because they start to do well in states where, pending what happens coming up, will Trump get in trouble over his classified documents thing? Will anything come from the special counsel's investigation into him. I don't think the Trump ally, the staunchest Trump ally, and I interact with a lot of them when I'm out speaking or when I'm talking to people, I don't think those people are going to abandon Donald Trump. But I also don't think those people are willing to 
carry their loyalty to Trump so far that they won't vote for an alternative if the alternative is forced upon them by the Republican nominating process. Meaning that if DeSantis or Tim Scott would happen to get the Republican nomination, because they get that ball rolling downhill in Iowa and in New Hampshire and in other early primaries, you really have to love Donald Trump. And I would say, if, if you do, you love Donald Trump to an unhealthy level. If you would rather A, stay home, or B, not vote for Tim Scott or Ron DeSantis or whoever the nominee is if it's not Trump, if you'd rather return Joe Biden to the White House, and believe me, I said this to people last election, you don't like Mike DeWine. I don't like Mike DeWine. He locked down the state. Great. You want Nan Whaley killing babies? Because that's your choice. If you don't vote for Mike DeWine, you're voting for Nan Whaley because you're not voting against Nan Whaley. Similarly, if the Republicans nominate somebody other than Donald Trump and you just get mad and take your ball and go home and won't vote for whoever that person is, well, you're effectively voting for Joe Biden because you won't be voting for whoever the Republican nominee is, which means you won't be voting to cancel out the vote of some LGBTQRSTUV poop emoji person who wants to put boys in your daughter or granddaughter's locker room. That's what you'll be voting for. That's what you'll be enabling. That's what you'll be allowing. So I welcome this primary process. I'm glad Tim Scott's getting in. I think he's a real strong contender in that I think he has aspects that would make him very hard to defeat in a general election. Ron DeSantis has those same elements. Trump obviously has those elements. But I keep saying, and I will continue to say, my number one objection, who, who are you for in the primaries, Bruce? I'm for whoever can win. That's who I'm for. Right now, I believe Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis are stronger general election candidates than Donald Trump. But Trump starts with a big lead. He starts with name recognition. He starts with the cachet of having been president. He makes people laugh. He's funny. He's an entertainer. He says... The quiet part out loud. If I was president, you'd be in jail, right? He won a lot of favors with that. It worked for him in 2016 when he had a foil in Hillary Clinton. Maybe it'll work again against Joe Biden. I'd much prefer that would work than to have Biden go back to the White House. But hear Tim Scott out. Hear Ron DeSantis out. Hear the other candidates out. Speaking of candidates, we'll have U.S. Senate candidate Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Moreno. Man, I owe Bernie an apology for that. He joins us next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 